Women's Prejudice by Jane Austen, Volume 2, Chapter 15. Announcements, announcements, announcements. All right, before we get in to my recap and then covering of Chapter 15 of Pride and Prejudice, I wanted to just talk a little bit about my thoughts on where to go with this podcast and maybe some other stuff to cover. I definitely am continuing with Jane Austen. I plan to do all of her novels. Um, so I'm definitely going to finish Pride and Prejudice and go on with the rest that I haven't done yet. But I am currently thinking about adding one of my other loves to the podcast, which would be Doctor Who. Um, I have only really watched New Who. So I'd be starting with Nine um, and doing New Who and going through the episodes. I think that that would be really fun. I've been thinking I would like to do a rewatch of New Who and start it from, you know, the beginning with Nine and maybe recap the episodes as I go as like a kind of a way to go through my rewatch. Seems entertaining to me. And this is the podcast of In My Own Little Corner being kind of about whatever is interesting to me. Um, and Doctor Who is definitely one of my other big favorites. Um, my other thought has also been maybe getting back into reviewing some Disney movies, which I did a long time ago on this podcast was one of my original ideas that I've kind of moved away from. But I think I'd like to get back into that maybe a little bit too and kind of merge my loves and my things that I'm into. So that is kind of what I'm thinking I might start doing is alternating between Jane Austen, Doctor Who, and Disney as those are kind of my three main uh, fandoms and obsessions as instead of sticking strictly to Jane Austen completely but I'd be very interested to hear if anybody would be actually be interested in that or if you only want the Jane Austen content or really any thoughts at all so contacts infos in the description please if you have a strong opinion on this let me know but I think that that could be fun for me so I'm thinking that that's what I might start doing is start kind of alternating in between those different fandoms and those different things to talk about all of my loves, basically. So I just wanted to give everybody a heads up that that's kind of where I'm leaning. I have no definite specific plans of how I'm going to intersperse things and how I'm going to do that. But that is my kind of thought process at the moment that I just wanted to kind of put out there and see if anybody has any thoughts that you want to get into me. And if nobody comments, which I assume most people won't, so I'm definitely open to it, but I'm assuming mo I don't get that many comments. So I'm assuming I won't get many comments on it, but I wanted to throw it out there. And that's what I'm thinking I'm planning to do. Again, without any real serious plans, just kind of first thoughts. That's what I'm thinking. So anyway, just throwing that out there. Now we will move on to my current topic, which is still Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice. Chapter 15. So, previously on Pride and Prejudice, our most recent thing has been Lizzie visiting her bestie Charlotte, who is married to her odious cousin, Mr. Collins, in Kent. And his patroness is Lady Catherine de Bourgh, who lives right across the street from them. And Lady Catherine de Bourgh's nephew is, of course, Mr. Darcy. 
and Mr. Darcy comes to visit his aunt at the same time that Lizzie is visiting Charlotte, and so they run into each other yet again. And then Darcy shocks Lizzie by proposing to her, and she obviously says no because she hates him, and she is very argumentative and tells him all the reasons why she hates him. And then he writes her a letter and then we spent the last couple chapters of her reading the letter and reacting to the letter and like ruminating on the letter. And now we are finally moving out of just talking about the letter. Um, and we get to chapter 15, which is where Lizzie is finally going to leave Kent. So last chapter, the gentleman left, which meaning Mr. Darcy and his cousin Carl Fitzwilliam. And now Lizzie is going to follow and leave leave Kent as well. So she and Mariah are headed off to London to collect Jane on their way home to Longbourn. Well, Mariah won't go to Long... Well, she'll go to Longbourn, but then she'll go home to her actual house at Lucas Lodge. But anyway, that's what chapter 15 is, and so we're getting into it. Here we go. All right, so chapter 15 begins with a Saturday morning where Elizabeth and Mr. Collins met for breakfast a few minutes before the others appeared. And he took the opportunity of paying the parting civilities which he deemed indispensably necessary. And then we get a bunch of Collins' dialogue, which I will sort of spare you from, where he is complimenting her and saying how wonderful it is that she was there and being kind of self-deprecating about his own home and how boring it is and how little we see of the world, and blah, 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 blah. To which Elizabeth just says that, yes, it's been great, and that she's had, you know, she had a good time seeing Charlotte, and there were very kind attentions received, and it must make her feel the obliged. And Mr. Collins again replies with a whole paragraph of dialogue, talking about, again, you know, we were able to introduce you at Rosings, which is such a wonderful blessing, and blah, 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 and goes on about how great Lady Catherine is and her home is, and says that I should not think anyone abiding in an, ob in an object of compassion while they are, they are sharers of our intimacy at Rosings. And then it says, words were insufficient for the ele elevation of his feelings, and he was obliged to walk about the room while Elizabeth tried to unite civility and truth in a short in a few short sentences. So I'm getting the image here of Mr. Collins getting himself so worked up talking about Lady Catherine and Rosings, how wonderful it is that they are intimate with the family there. And so much so that he's like having to get up and walk around because his feelings are just so big. That's just how much he loves Lady Catherine and Rosings. And it's very hilarious to me. And then I also love the line that Elizabeth is going to try to unite civility and truth. So Elizabeth is not the kind of person who's going to say a pretty white lie to make Mr. Collins feel good, but she's also not going to be rude. So she's not going to say, no, I thought Lady Catherine was a rude, awful person. Even if she thinks so, she's going to try to find something nice to say. And so that's what she does. She's, you know, tries to have some sort of polite something to say. We don't actually get to see what it is. But then we're back to Mr. Collins talking again for a long, long time, probably. And, it's a, and he says, you may in fact carry a very favorable report of us into Hertfordshire. My dear cousin, I flatter myself at least that you will be able to do so. Lady Catherine's great attentions to Mrs. Collins, you have been a daily witness of. 
and altogether I trust it does not appear that your friend has drawn an unfortunate. And then there's a pause. But on this point it will be as well to be silent. Only let me assure you, my dear Miss Elizabeth, that I can from my heart most cordially with you wish you equal felicity in marriage. It's like, oh, the shade, Mr. Collins. Mr. Collins finally gets a little dig in. I mean, he might have gotten some before, but here I really do think this is a nice little dig from Mr. Collins. I'm proud of him. Um, where he is basically saying that, like, yeah, now you can see how great it is for my wife, Mrs. Collins, that we're on this intimate level with Rosings Park and with Lady Catherine de Bourgh. And so obviously anyone who has that, you know, you can't feel sorry for. Um, and don't you wish, basically the implication being, don't you wish it was you, like showing her what she lost by saying no to him, what she lost by not agreeing to be his wife. He is still a little butthurt about it, I think. And he is in this way trying to show her that like, look at how great my life is. Look how great what I can do is, and aren't, don't you wish this was for you? Don't, you know, aren't you sad now? You underestimated me. And he is underestimating Lizzie here because I don't think that she is having those thoughts or thinking that she, it's sad that she didn't, you know, make it, that she didn't become his wife. That is not something that she is upset about, obviously. But he's trying to make it seem like, oh, look how great a catch I am. Or was and look how great a marriage your friend has made haha ha, you're still single is how I'm reading that and I it's definitely a dig from mr. Collins in my opinion and that's where he goes right on into oh oh but I didn't mean to you know say he was he's trying to get the dig in without actually saying it by saying you know it you know it doesn't appear that your friend has drawn an unfortunate alliance is what that was going to say that's the word he chooses out he ends on unfortunate but on this point, it will be as well to be silent. You know, we can't talk about that. And I most cordially wish you equal felicity in marriage. I mean, it's very clear what blatant what he's talking about, you know, that he is trying to politely bring up the fact that, ha ha, I'm such a great guy. This Your friend made such a good marriage and screw you. So there we are. So... Then he gets into something which I find actually kind of sad. He says, my dear Charlotte and I have but one mind and one way of thinking. There is in everything a most remarkable resemblance of character and ideas between us. We seem to have been designed for each other. And the sad part about this is I think he thinks this is true. I do think that he is very happy in his marriage that he's happy with Charlotte as his wife and he thinks that everything's great and that they have this beautiful relationship and he thinks it's perfect and that I don't think that Charlotte agrees with him and I do find that a little sad that it's such a one-sided thing I don't think Charlotte's unhappy and I don't think Charlotte is miserable in her marriage or anything but I don't think that Charlotte would describe their relationship the way that Mr. Collins just did and I think Elizabeth agrees with me because she goes on to say that she could safely say that it was a great happiness where that was the case. 
and with equal sincerity could add that she firmly believed and rejoiced in his domestic comforts. So what I take this to mean is that she's saying, yes, when, you know, spouses have one mind and are, you know, such a good match, that's a really happy thing to see. She's not saying that your marriage is that match, but she can say that, yes, if that kind of marriage would be fantastic. And with equal sincerity can also say that, you know, could also believe that he is that happy in his marriage. But that is the implication I have. It's that, but that marriage you're just describing is not the one you have. I believe you're happy in it. I believe you have felicity in your marriage. I just don't believe that the two of you are as in sync as you're proclaiming yourselves to be. And she was not sorry to have the recital of his domestic comforts interrupted by the lady of whom, from whom they sprung, poor Charlotte. And here we have where, even though he has just been have, going on and on about saying how you can't say that Charlotte has made an unfortunate match, that they are a good match, um, Charlotte is the object of pity from Elizabeth. Um, it says it was melancholy to leave her to such society because we are now know that Charlotte is going to spend most of her social time with Mr. Collins, who's awful, and Lady Catherine of Berg, who is also awful. Um, but it says, but she had chosen it with her eyes open and though evidently regretting that her visitors were to go, she did not seem to ask for compassion. Her home and her housekeeping, her parish and her poultry and all their dependent concerns had not yet lost their charm. And I think that that's realistic, I guess. So I think it's one of those things where, again, we're seeing Charlotte wants something different out of marriages. Her expectations are very different than Lizzie's. This is exactly how she explained chapters and chapters ago that she's not romantic. That she is asking for a comfortable home and, you know, the ability to do the only job that a woman of her station is allowed to do in her time period of being a wife. And caring for a house and taking care of all of that. And so she has that ability. And she's done it. So there we are. She is... I'm thinking of the musical um, Avenue Q. Which is very fun. And R-rated if anybody's interested. But the, at the end, the closing song at the end is the For Now song. And one of the lines is, For now we're happy if not overjoyed. And that very feel, that feels very right for Charlotte, you know. For now we're happy, if not overjoyed. And we'll accept the things we cannot avoid for now, for now. Um, That's the line there, that we'll accept the things we cannot avoid. And we're happy, if not overjoyed. I just feel like that's a very great encapsulation of what's going on here for charlotte that i feel like she's content but not joyful about her situation if that makes sense that she's content but not overly happy and ecstatic about it but her life is good and i don't think that her life is worse now than it was before right like her moving from her home at lucas lodge to her home now in kent it's not like it's a step down for her. It's not like her life is worse now. In many ways, it's better financially and being able to run her own home and having a lot more control of her own house than she ever did when she lived at home. 
So there's some definite benefits to her. And society, I don't think for her is worse. Like the only thing she really seems to be sad about is having lost her friend Lizzie and like, you know, having a more social life as she had. With Lucas Lodge, she was going to all the different balls and parties and stuff the way that she's not really now. She's not part of the general social scene. The only people they see is Lady Catherine. So that's a bit of a negative for her, but that's not forever either. I mean, as sad as it is, when Mr. Bennet dies, she gets to move back to Meryton and she gets to move to Longbourn. And she'll be back with all her friends and going to all the parties and doing all the things she used to do. So I think Charlotte is a very practical person and she has made a practical choice. And I think it's very hard to look at from a modern lens of people thinking about marriage in this very romantic light. But I don't think Charlotte's wrong. I've already I've talked about this a lot. This is my soapbox on the book. I love Charlotte. Charlotte is the best. And I don't think she made a bad choice. And I also don't, I mean, just marriage isn't what it is now. It is for some people, but like for women in this time period of a certain social class, like what other option was there? Right? Like if you don't get married, then you're just a spinster living at home forever with your parents and then your brothers and your family is expected to take care of you. And you don't have a lot of options and you have a much more socially acceptable life as a married person and have a lot more options. And, you know, she can have kids now. She can run her home. She has a lot more independence, depending on your husband, obviously. But in Charlotte's case, she can very much manipulate her husband. So she's got a lot of control of her own life now in a way that she wouldn't have had before. So I really think that Charlotte's doing well. And she is just, I believe her when she says that, you know, she has given up on the idea of a real romantic relationship and she's okay with what she's got now. So good for her. So that is the end of her visit with Charlotte. The next line is that the chase has arrived and the trunks are fastened on. And they're ready to go out. And Mr. Collins is giving all of his on, on and on his compliments to the family at Longbourn for when he came to visit before. His compliments to Mr. and Mrs. Gardner, though he's never met them before. He gets them into the carriage, probably still talking. And he suddenly realizes that they hadn't left a message for the ladies at Rosings. But then he says what their message should be. And Elizabeth makes no objection. And so the door closes and they move on. And then we've got this line here, which is very fun. It's a Mariah says, good gracious. It seems but a day or two since we first came. And yet how many things have happened? A great many indeed, said her companion with a sigh. We have dined nine times at Rosings, besides drinking tea there twice. How much I shall have to tell. Elizabeth privately added, and how much I shall have to conceal. Which I just think that can, that is such a great little conversation. And it's a great scene that, uh, that is in the 1995 Colin Firth version. And it's done so well. And I really love it. And it's again talking about, you know, that Mariah is going to go back and talk about how many times they went to Rosings and how grand Rosings is and blah, blah, blah. And Lizzie is thinking, and I'm going to have to hide the fact 
that Mr. Darcy freaking proposed to me and all the information I learned from the letter about Wickham and everything. Can't tell anybody that. So like all these things I'm going to have to conceal. Obviously she doesn't tell Mariah that. That's just kind of quietly to herself. But those are their impressions. Um, so their journey back, it says, is performed without much conversation or any alarm. And within four hours of their leaving Huntsford, they reached Mr. Gardner's house where they were to remain a few days. So they're going to go stay in London with the gardeners for a couple days and pick up Jane before they finish their journey going home to uh, Hertfordshire. So they get in. Elizabeth thinks that Jane looks well, though they're running about L London so much she doesn't get a much chance to look at her and really think about it. But thinking that Jane is to go home with her to Longbourn and there would be leisure enough for observation there. And then it ends with this chapter about Lizzie's thoughts on what she's going to tell Jane about the situation with Darcy, which I think is really interesting. It says, it was not without an effort, meanwhile, that she could wait even for Longbourn before she told her sister of Mr. Darcy's proposal. So she's not telling her yet in London. She's planning to wait till they get home to Longbourn, but it's an effort. She really, really wants to tell Jane about it immediately. But I'm guessing they really don't have the privacy for such a conversation in the townhome in London. I'm assuming they're sharing a room probably with Mariah and um, who's traveling with them, obviously, and possibly with some of the other children of the gardeners, unknown servants and all then all these social engagements and things. They just they don't have time to even like lock themselves in their room. Even if Mariah was there to talk about it. So they just don't have the privacy and time right now in London. And um and also, even the traveling, they're not going to be able to talk about it because Mariah's going to be in the carriage with them. But Elizabeth really, really wants to talk to Jane about it. And so the reasons why she wants to do it so bad is interesting here. First of all, she has the power of revealing what would so exceedingly astonish Jane. So she wants to tell Jane something that Jane's going to be completely dumbfounded by which I think a lot of us like to surprise people. So that's a fun, that's something about Lizzie that she wants to surprise Jane. And she says, and must at the same time, so highly gratify whatever of her own vanity, she had not yet been able to reason away, which was also, so her vanity was such a temptation to openness as nothing could have conquered, but the state of indecision in which she remained as to the extent of what she should communicate and her fear, if she once entered on the subject, of being hurried into repeating something of Bingley, which might only grieve her sister further. So she really, really wants to tell Jane about the Darcy situation. A, because she knows it'll astonish Jane. But B, because of her vanity. Because, you know, she's thinking that it looks good for her that a guy's interested in her, right? Like, she wants to tell Jane that, like, Mr. Darcy's into me, right? That's the vain part of it. She wants to be able to talk about that. But what's holding her back is, I think, time and privacy a little bit, but also that she's still getting her head around exactly what she can tell Jane. And she wants to be prepared because she doesn't want to slip and say something about Bingley when she's not ready, when it's not time yet. Well, and also, like, I don't think she wants to tell Jane about the Bingley part at all. Because it's just awkward. 
And, like, what's Jean going to do with that information, right? The fact that now she thinks that Bingley did love Jane and he only let her go because he didn't think she loved him. And Darcy had convinced him of that. That just would make, I think, Jane feel worse, right? Because Jane would just then feel like she might have done something wrong. She didn't do enough to convince him that he, she loved him. And I think that that just dredges up the feelings, maybe gives her a sense of false hope. Because Lizzie has no reason to think that there is hope, right, in this situation. She doesn't know that there's hope at all, that she might, they might never see Bingley again. How does she know? She has no way to change that. So that might just prolong Jane's pain and depression and everything. So there's no use bringing it up. And I think that's a very commendable thing and relatable for Elizabeth to be thinking that that is just not, not a discussion she needs to be having with Jane right now. And that is how this chapter ends. It's very, very short. Only a couple pages, just a bunch of conversations. Very overshadowed by those conversations by Mr. Collins. This, this uh, podcast could be a lot longer if I just read out everything that Mr. Collins said, but I don't want to. So, because <laughs> Mr. Collins, his dialogue is great in, some, in the sense that it really gives you a sense of who he is. But it's awful in that it gives you a sense of who he is because he's awful. So that's where I'm at there. So next chapter is where they will actually finally be leaving London and going home. And we'll get to see her sisters again. And there's some fun stuff um, in the me meeting of Lizzie and Kitty again. And then the chapter after that, I think, is where Lizzie will finally get the time to talk to Jane about everything. And we'll get some more discussion about the letter but we're getting into a bit of a lull, I think, here in the in the book for a little bit. Um, I mean, not too much, but now we've got a little bit of downtime back to the family at Longbourn before Lizzie is off again and going up to her tour of the north. Um, where, of course, she'll run into Darcy again and it's very exciting. And then there's going to be all the drama with Lydia. We've got... All sorts of good stuff coming up. It really takes off at the end for me. I, well, I love this book. But there's some fun times. This chapter, I think, is a bit of a, I don't know, not much really going on. Still just sort of going through Lizzie's head, saying goodbye. Meh. This chapter is, I don't know. There's not much going on here. It just is clarifying some points again about the Charlotte it's kind of putting a little bow on the end of the Charlotte situation and showing that Lizzie has come to terms with it. And while she doesn't completely agree and wouldn't have done what Charlotte did, I feel like what this chapter gives us is that she has accepted Charlotte's decision. And while she doesn't, wouldn't have made the same choice as Charlotte made, she understands them and she's okay with it and they can move on. Which is good. I, I like getting the closure on the Charlotte-Lizzie relationship because I do love their friendship and I think it's great. So that is that. That is the end of this chapter. So next time will be chapter 16. Or like I said earlier, maybe an episode of Doctor Who or something? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. It'll be a surprise <laughs> next time I put out a podcast. We'll see what happens. Because it is my little corner. I can do what I want with it. Um... <laughs> Anyway, I will see you guys next time. Bye.